Hey everybody, this is Sheena Williams with Krav Maga Salem coming to you live with Todd Fossey from Integrative Defense Strategies. If you don't know him, you're wrong. You should know him 100%. He's amazing. I'm honored to be a level one instructor working into my level two and, you know, if any luck, all the way up to level seven. Probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> yes, it will. It's an it amazing, will happen. <laughs> it's an amazing program. It's uh, at a completely revolutionary way to look at uh, firearm usage and self-defense. Um, without further ado, Todd Fossey. Todd, introduce yourself to the people who don't know you. Well, Sheena, first of all, it's super awesome to be here. I'm a bigger fan of you than you are of me. You are a rock star. I mean that. I'm not just saying it. I brag about Sheena Williams all the time. And we're really super honored to have you as an IDS certified instructor and affiliate. I mean, it's such a big deal. And I'm just really super honored. Um, I'm just really super honored to be here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation and maybe sharing a few things with those that are watching. So um, I'll just come right out and say it. I, um, I do a lot of these podcasts, as, as Sheena knows, and I, I'm terrible at talking about myself. I suck at it. I'm terrible. I know I should be better at talking about myself, but I can't. I know it's an important part of what we do, so I'm working on it. Uh, I'll do my best here. So I'm asking everyone just to please bear with me while I talk about myself because I'm really looking forward to getting on to talking about ideas. That's what I love to talk about. I love to talk about ideas. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a weird dude. <laughs> I, been, I started um, uh, studying um, different types of psychology um, particularly in the in the psychology of human performance and the mind-body connection when I was nine years old. I'm 49 years old. I'm almost 50, so I've been studying uh, human performance for almost 40 years. Um, I, I uh, had a private practice for 15 years um, as, a, as a psychotherapist, and a percentage of that practice was still continuing to work in human performance. I was a human performance coach and um, mental training coach for elite athletes, professional, uh, you know, professional major league teams. Um, you know, so I've, I've been around this and, and other forms of performance as well. I've been around human performance um, my whole life. Um, I was also specialized and lectured at medical schools for 15 years on the topic of psychoneuroimmunology. So I'm a total science geek, but I'm also an artist. I was a filmmaker in a previous life as well, and I was in the arts. So what I did was I took all of the, the art side of me, and I took all the science side of, me, side of me, and I threw it all in together, and I, and I created this training protocol and this training methodology and curriculum um, known as the Apex Training System um, with my business, Integrative Defense Strategies. Um, I started training personally at a, at a fairly intense level about 20 years ago. Uh, with both my hands-free skills and my firearm skills. And that's an interesting story how all that happened. But one day, um, I guess it was about 12, 10, 12 years ago now, um, I just saw what was happening in the world, and I had this moment of epiphany, epiphany that said, I don't like all of this violence that's happening. Um, I want to use my talents um, that God gave me to, to help to uh, quash that, to create a, help create a broadband deterrence 
to violence and also to help cultivate human beings through what we call positive resistance. We can become better human beings through the type of training and cultures that, that we create out there. And so um, specifically designed, scientifically designed based on available data for the citizen defender. We have people that train with us that are military, that are law enforcement, and more and more of them are getting interested in what we do, but we are very passionate about the citizen defender. That's what, that's what we're all about. My business, Integrated Defense Strategies, we have about 40 affiliates across the country, and Sheena is, is one of them, and we certify instructors, and we're just here to, to really, to be completely honest with you, we're not here to improve the old training paradigm. We're here to replace it. We think that the old training paradigm is really antiquated and outdated, and it doesn't re accurately reflect reality. We, we know a lot more now about science. We know a lot more about training. So we're, I'm very passionate about applying what's possible to help um, save life and deter violence as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to add on what Todd has already said, I mean, if you guys don't already follow his Integrative Defense Strategies page, I mean, you're going to see a beautiful culmination of the different skills that he has, the knowledge of, of the way that the brain works and the brain chemistry, as well as his ability to create videos that, you know, uh, display the different types of things that he teaches, as well as the reality and then the statistics that come out of just, you know, everyday life about what an attack actually looks like. Um, it's really, it's a phenomenal to watch the videos you put out and the content you put out because it is so knowledgeable, but beautiful to watch and exciting to watch this, this culmination of these hand to hand skills, these firearm skills, recognizing and avoiding situations in advance. I mean, it's just fantastic. And I, for one, am an extremely proud affiliate of IDS. Um, and I just, I, you know, I'm going to have to get some more t-shirts and hats because I just keep wearing holes in them and all that fun stuff. But right um, on. on that, on that note, I mean, you've got an extensive background. Like you said, you've been working in, in hand to hand combat of some form for many, many years, you know, obviously here at Krav Maga Salem, kind of our, our backbone is Krav Maga, but we also offer, you know, catch wrestling, grappling, Muay Thai, um, you know, all sorts of different systems here, um, kind of like you do kind of integrating them all into different things. Uh, I, I know that you've trained in all sorts of martial arts. Uh, you've trained in, in Krav Maga. Currently, uh, you're still training with Greg Nelson at his phenomenal gym. Um, adding that into some of your training and working with Greg Nelson, what are some of like the biggest takeaways from that training, just adding into what you're doing that you can kind of lay on us? Uh, uh, specifically with, uh, with training with Greg? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Man, I mean, uh, <laughs> training with Greg, Greg I, I don't think that there's a more prolific martial artist alive right now. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that would for be people, hard to argue. For people, it, it would. If people would get a chance to check him out and, and what his history is and what he's about, more than, even more than just a martial artist, but Greg Nelson as a human being. is. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm super so blessed to have Greg as a, as a mentor. Uh, a, a personal mentor. Um, he's like my big brother in this business um, as a, as a personal friend. And then as my coach, you know, I'm training with training with him all the time. And um, Greg has a deep background in just about every martial art that you can just about think of. But um, for, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with all of that stuff, um, uh, coach three UFC world champions, including Brock Lesnar, Sean Shirk, um, their stable of athletes that they have there now are world-class. It's a, it's a really world-class organization, um, and, and submission grappling, you know, um, and, and Muay Thai specifically, but also Greg is a consultant for the U S government in, in training, uh, special forces and elite forces. And so, 
he's he's very he's very open-minded and, and open to bringing different context and creativity into the training um, so while I'm there and while I'm working in class he knows I'm there working in a specific context when I'm training it's always as if I'm armed and I'm always making the assumption that I'm under an attack so the approach that I take toward that context really helps to force a lot of innovation and what's really great about training with him is because he understands that we have the opportunity to spend a lot of time together one-on-one -on -one and talk about that and hash it out and test it and come up with ideas and bounce things back and forth and then I can bring it back here to IDS which is really a lab right and we can refine it and polish it and test it to the point where we feel like we're ready to roll it out to our affiliates and, and to the world really and uh, we so we're sort of like pursuing pure science and that way understanding there's also the the artistic side of it so I, I honestly, if I, if someone asked me who's the one person in the world that you would want to learn from and all of this stuff, it's Greg Nelson. So I'm just lucky that he just happens to be here in Minneapolis and has the Minneapolis Martial Arts Academy. And, you know, um, and Greg coaches and teaches for us too. When we hold camps, he comes and he'll, he'll teach blocks for us as an adjunct instructor for IDS. And so it's a very special relationship um, to have with him. And he's forgotten more than I've ever learned. You know, he's been at this at a very high level for over 40 years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of reflected in the way you teach. And I don't know if it's maybe just the way that like-minded individuals come together. I know that when I bring stuff to you or I come into training, you know, if I have a different mindset or I'm thinking about coming into something at a different approach and I've brought it to you, you're all for it. Your thumbs up. Absolutely. Let me help you with that. I mean, you're just, you personally are just like, like Greg and the fact that you're an encyclopedia and that you've got all this knowledge and you're willing to make things work to work for different people, just like Greg is for you. And I think uh, people partnering like that, I think that's really what changes the paradigm is being able to have that flexibility, not the standard. Yeah. This is how we've always done it. So this yeah. is how we're going to do it. Attitude. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about it's not about dogma for us. It's not about dogma for Greg. It's about saving life. And if we want to talk about how violence works, right, for just a second, yeah. if I can geek out a little bit. Please. You know, when we take a look at how violence works, the variables are are unpredictable and unrepeatable. Right? And so it's it's also very it's also very personal because there are no two people that are the same. Their attributes are all different. And our attributes for ourselves are always changing we're not the same person at the beginning of the day that we are at the end of the day our attributes will change you know there are a lot of people walking around walking around right now that are sick so their energies are depleted their, their attributes have changed compared to when they're healthy and strong you know even you know even for myself when i would i was walking around when i, I was sick a few weeks ago i'm like god you know i'm, I'm glad i have this farm on me because I'm really super weak right now. I need to have some kind of a force multiplier because I don't have the attributes that I normally have. I need to have other skill, other skills, you know, um, to help to to complement the situation that I was in. Um, so that's sort of the biggest thing for us is like we want to be we want to stay away from dogma because personal protection is exactly that. It's personal. So we want to be careful that we're not selling our relative preferences as absolute truths and that we're not giving absolute answers to contextually dependent questions because that's just not intellectually honest Correct. Uh, and that's and that's up to us that's up to us to you know to pursue that kind of intellectual honesty because the stakes are so high 
Correct. Uh, yes. Right. I mean, I don't think anybody could say it any better. I mean, that's just spot on, on the nose. I mean, on, on the tail end of that, right, because I know you personally, if you guys, if you guys don't know Todd, first of all, he is, what are you, 6'2"? Right. You're not a yeah. small guy, which is always yeah. funny to see him near me because I'm five foot one. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but you're not a small guy. I and mean, you've got all these for so long. If you've worked in any kind of martial art industry or firearms industry, you guys have probably heard it before. Right. I'm a big guy. I've got a firearm. I don't need these skills. And I think you're really just hitting it on the head as somebody who has probably encountered that yourself as somebody who is a big guy, a very thick guy hands hand skills and firearm skills how is it that you work with that mindset when you see it and how is it that you keep motivated to keep on training how is it do i work with the mindset when i see somebody come in with that mindset yes um well do you okay you know i'm pretty outspoken i i don't i don't hold back i know I, you don't <laughs> i don't i don't hold back so i'm not going to start now because don't. i have you to you know it. i I'm putting whatever I say today is for everyone's consideration. You know, take it. We encourage people to think freely. So don't take what I say as gospel. Don't take what anyone says as gospel. Find out for yourself. Find out for yourself. Um, uh, I put them through a drill or a scenario that that gives them what we call the minimum effective dose. The minimum effective dose that forces them to deal with reality. And then they find out in a hurry that they've just been humbled, that they've been suffering from what is known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, the Dunning-Kruger effect is when with people of low ability suffer from a cognitive bias known as illusory superiority and, a, and an inability to recognize their own ineptitude. Those are the, that's the actual former, formal terminology for it. It's a psychological phenomenon. And so they don't know what they don't know. And not only do they not know what they don't know, but they think that what they don't know surpasses those that have dedicated their life to the topic. I actually have a poster of this on my wall that was created by Paulo Rubio. And I take, I take them over and I'll say, I want you to read that right now. And I want you to ask yourself a very painful and honest question if that is talking to you. Now, I do this for myself. There's a reason why that's on the wall, so I'm constantly reminding myself. This is also true of you, Todd. So uh, you need to have a level of self-awareness, Todd, so that you are very careful that you're not falling into the Dunning-Kruger effect for yourself, right? Absolutely. There's the other side of the Dunning-Kruger effect, and that's for people who have high skill level and high ability or people who have reached a level of mastery on a topic or a skill where they – unconsciously come to believe what comes easily for them comes easily for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So then I'll explain to them what the psychology is and what the science is for the cultivation of competence. There are stages that people go through when they're cultivating a skill uh, toward a level of competence and mastery. So I'll explain that to them and then they sort of start to have their, their red pill moment. You know, especially when you're backing it with data and science, which is what we do. So our feeling is at IDS, if you don't know why, you won't apply. We want people to understand why we take the approach and what's happening with them so that they want to be, so they have a self-awareness to apply the things that they're learning. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I mean, I know that I get that on occasion. Again, I'm a five-foot woman. I'm the, you know, the, the lead instructor here. I do a good portion of our training and I'll get guys in here. I've had guys in here who are six foot three. Oh, nobody will mess with me. I'm a big guy. Well, no, that's just not the case. That's just not how it is. <laughs> no, it's not how it is at all. You know, there, you know, 
and it, when you again i'm a science geek so bear bear with me everyone who's watching but when you study why violent criminals choose their victims you'd be very surprised uh, it's not it's prob not probably what you think it is so you might want to look into why violent criminals choose their victims especially if you're an alpha male because they're probably an alpha male that's a psychopath sociopath or malignant narcissist and they want to be the alpha so who are they going to challenge they're going to challenge you yeah, and you right. guys have heard it in, in uh, everyday movies and TV, right? Oh, if you go to prison, you attack the biggest guy in the room or whatever. It's the same kind of mindset, right? So if you're oh. a big guy, you're a target. Even though you don't you think you're a target, you're a target. Yeah. You're a big yeah. guy. And just because yeah. you're a big guy doesn't mean it, it keeps you safe. Just because you carry a firearm doesn't mean you're safe. If you're not training in those ways, if you're not using those hand-to-hand -hand skills, if you are not aware of uh, you know use of force and how that works – Legally, you're going to get yourself in a whole heap right. of problems. Well, right? that's, the, that's the point really is, you know, one, you don't ever want to do that. Like we, right. we, we want to practice conflict avoidance at all costs. A lot of it comes down to how you carry yourself. That's a big part of it, what you're projecting to the world. But that being said, getting back to the use of force continuum, right? Using the same level of force that comes against you without going beyond that level of force. The moment the threat has been stopped, you must stop. So what happens in the firearms world is they only talk about one end of the spectrum. They don't cover the whole spectrum. And that's what our goal is to cover that whole spectrum so that you're not a one trick pony and you have an adaptable set of principles that are interdependent upon one another that you can apply to whatever set of circumstances that you're faced with. Look, let's face it. The statistics show that 80% of all assaults are simple assaults. That means the level of force that you can use in return must match that same level of force. If the only tool that you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You need to understand that. Great, you survive, but you're going to go to prison for 30 years. What good is that going to do you or your family, right? Um, so we need to have this whole, the, you know, we need to have the, the whole spectrum. Um, now also in terms of, you know, hands-free skills, let's take a look what the other 20% of assaults are, right? The vast majority of those are assaults are coming from impact weapons and edged weapons, Right, and they're and they're they're asymmetrical. So that means that most of them are ambushes that you don't see coming. They're felt before they're seen. What distances are those taking place at? Okay, a lot of people have this. A lot of people have this thing that well, that's in their head that they think that because they have a they have a firearm that's going to be firearm versus firearm. Right, it's a duel at high noon. Right. Then that's and that's what it looks like. But, but in reality, very few cases where people are using a firearm is are when they're justified to use a firearm. Let me put it that way. In most cases where people are justified to use use a firearm, it's not versus another firearm. It's against an impact weapon or an edge weapon or multiple attackers or per, perhaps a vehicle-borne assault where someone's trying to use a vehicle to kill you. Yeah. So people have there's these myths and these ideas that are perpetrated by our culture, you know, by gun culture by, and by, by pop culture that, that really don't resemble how violence happens at all in terms of the mitigation of probabilities. Exactly. Mitigation of probabilities. So I'll stop there before I go on for too long. So with that being said, I mean, one of your biggest goals, and you talk about it pretty consistently, is changing the paradigm, right? Changing the way people think about self-defense, changing the way that people actually train for self-defense, um, you know, understanding the difference between defensive gun usages and marksmanship. As we do this, how is it that we combat the old paradigm and help to shift into that new paradigm? 
Well, that's a pretty complicated answer. I know. It's a big one. Um, I think the main thing is that we, we, we create such a new, uh, the new paradigm has to be so compelling and it has to be communicated in a way that is so compelling that people realize, well, why would I take a chariot into a modern war? <laughs> I think chariots are freaking awesome, right? But why, why would we use, right? Why would we do that? People would look at that and say, like, it's like, would you take a horse and buggy to the Indy 500? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's so antiquated and outdated, but people don't know that it is because the yeah. paradigm just wants to perpetuate itself. So we need to create, we need to be able to communicate the new paradigm in a way that's so compelling that people realize, oh, geez, what am I doing? Why would I waste my time doing this that may have negative consequences for me instead of do something that's going to be far more beneficial and much easier and more cost effective, right? Um, yes. And then also, I think, you know, there are important ways that we need to point out what the deficits are in the traditional paradigm so that if people don't understand what those deficits are, then they'll have no, they won't even know how to see them because that's all they, they just think that that's the way that it is. It's a presupposition, right? They yes. presuppose that this is just the way that it is and it's not, yes. <laughs> not, well, not, think, not even close. There's an element of laziness to tell you the truth, right? I can spend $700 on a new fancy tool or I can go and get off my butt and train three times a week. And I think, uh, I think that for some people is hard too, but I think the more you do what you're doing uh, and just combining all this stuff, I think people are recognizing that, you know, their skills are not good enough. Sheena, do you mind if I read? It's really what this is about is about combating cognitive biases. You hear me talk about one co cognitive bias with the Dunning-Kruger effect, but I have a couple of cognitive biases here that I think are really key to this, this part of our conversation. And they're, I, they're directly from the textbook. Do you mind if I read them? Because I think it, that way people won't think that it's just Todd making it up, right? <laughs> the, and they can look these up for themselves, all right? But I think that this is our biggest challenge are these cognitive biases. So please bear with me. I'm going to read this. And I don't have my readers. Look, I just, I'm about to turn 50. And I, like uh, four weeks ago, five weeks ago now, I finally broke down. I'm like, okay, I got to get readers. So I don't have them. So bear with me. All right. So the first one is called... Um, a shared information bias, also known as the collective information sampling bias or common information bias. Here we go. Here's the definition. It is known as the tendency for groups and members to spend more time and energy discussing information that all members are already familiar with shared information and less time and energy discussing information that only some members are aware of, unshared information. Harmful consequences related to poor decision-making can arise when the group does not have access to unshared information in order to make a well-informed decision. Oh. Mic drop. Yeah. Mic drop. All right. Yeah. So watch that back. People who are watching, watch that back and listen to that a hundred times in a row. All right. So then here's the next one. System justification bias or also known as status quo bias is a tendency to defend and bolster the status quo. Existing social, economic, and political arrangements tend to be uh, preferred 
and alternatives, alternatives disparaged, sometimes even at the expense of individuals and collective self-interest. <laughs> not making it up. Not making it up. Look it up for yourself. Look it up for yourself. That is exactly what's going on. People are invested mentally. They're invested emotionally. They're invested in their belief systems. And they are invested financially. So they want to maintain the homeostasis and the status quo, even if it means a detrimental outcome, which it very well could if you're not careful. Yep, absolutely. That's just spot on. That's spot on. Well, as we um, start shifting toward the end of, the, end of this interview, I kind of want to leave it on kind of a, a fun note um, and just something to reflect on. You know, you were at one point in time head of security and a bouncer and, and you've kind of done some of that. And I know we've got a lot of people who follow along and have, have done similar jobs. Um, I was hoping you might have maybe a story that uh, sticks out in your mind as something kind of fun or something silly that kind of happened uh, that you'd be willing to share. If not, that's fine. Uh, well, I have, a, I have a lot of that experience. <laughs> that's what I did for a living when I was going through my formal training and education. That's how, I, that's how I supported myself. Do you have any good stories you want to share that are fun or interesting? Um, sure. I, I have many. Um, I, you know, so some of you know I was, in, I was in Los Angeles in Hollywood for 10 years. And so I was a, I was a bouncer and head of security at some – major nightclubs on the Sunset Strip and in Hollywood during that time. So you name it, I've pretty much seen it. Um, and I've pretty much done it. I've been hands-on and been in more dangerous situations than I care to remember. But it really helped refine where we're at today with this conversation and what, awesome. our, training, what our training methodology is. Okay, here's a story for you. Okay. Um, my very first day in Hollywood, my first day there, I show up and I'm crashing on a friend's couch, a person who actually was my agent at the time. And she said, uh, there's this place right up the street in the Sunset Strip. Uh, you got a lot of bouncing experience. You should just go up there and pop in and see if they have any openings. I'm thinking, oh, whatever, I'll go up there. But so I show up and um, the general manager just happened to be right inside the front door. I'm like green. I'm like, I'm wet behind the ears, right? I introduced myself and I said, hey, he's like, hey, you got any experience as a door guy? I'm like, yeah, I've been at this place, this place, and this place, and here's what I've done, just to give you an idea. He goes, well, can you start right now? And I said, like, well, I, do you want me to, like, pop back, and I can change and come back? He's like, no, I just fired my door guy. Can you start right now? Now you have to remember, this is the hottest place on the Sunset Strip, okay? Hottest place in the Sunset Strip, and now I'm there day one, and I'm the freaking door guy, all right? So, I, so I'm there, night, this is night one, and I'm like, you know, I have a little experience, but this is a little bit different scene, right, than I'm used to. And they like the fact that I didn't know anybody. They like that. So um, at the door, and I'm at my earpiece, uh, the, the GM says, Todd, how are things going up there? I'm good. I said, I'm good. Everything's fine. He says, uh, the owners would like to meet you upstairs. I haven't met the owners yet. They'd like to meet you upstairs. He said, go behind the bar. And there's a, there's a room behind the bar upstairs, and that's where the most exclusive part of the club is up there, right? All the, like, A-list celebrities is packed up there, right? So I go into this room, and, and uh, the owners are, are – there are three owners, and they're all in the room, and there's a guy laying on the couch who's not moving. And I'm like, well, this isn't good, and they're talking to two other guys. The owners are, and I'm just like – I guess I'm just supposed to listen to this conversation. And as I'm listening to the conversation – 
I realized that the guy that's laying on the couch is dead. He's dead. He's not, he's not breathing. He's not dead. This guy, Mike, this guy's dead. And I figure out through the context of their conversation that he died of anaphylactic shock. He somehow got a peanut, got peanuts and he choked to death oh, on the couch and the place is packed. Right. And so the owners are like, look, we're, we're it's a packed house. We, we really don't want to call the authorities right now. I'll tell you what, drinks on us, all drinks all night. Your tabs on us all night. If we can wait until after we've closed to call the authorities and bring your friend out. And they said, yes, the friend said, yes, they went back out, drank and partied all night, left their dead buddy laying on the couch. And I'm sitting there just like, I haven't even met these guys yet. Right. And I'm just sitting there like, what is going on right now? And then they turn around and they say, welcome to Hollywood and walk out. That was my first night on the job. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So if that gives you any indication for what my experience was like when I was there, um, you can pretty much assume that it's accurate. Oh, that sounds like time to write a book on that, that lifestyle, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, we're going to go ahead and start kind of close, wrapping up and everything. For those of you who don't already follow Todd, I'm going to link all his social media and stuff uh, below here in the comments. Um, so please reach out, follow him. If you are like myself and looking for the very tip of the spear for self-defense training, including a firearm, I cannot recommend integrative defense strategies enough. Um, I, like I said, I'm a proud affiliate. I'm excited to climb through the ranks as much as I can, as quickly as I can. Um, and, uh, just for those of you who are interested in self-defense, I mean, there is nobody who is on top of the scientific data and sharing that as much as possible as Todd Fossey. So, uh, Todd, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and, and joining us while all this craziness happening. Um, and, uh, yeah. And anything you'd like to close out by saying? Uh, I'd be honored if everyone checked us out. Uh, please check out our social media, uh, Facebook, our YouTube channel. We're, we're going to start putting a lot more energy into our YouTube channel. We'd be honored if you went there and subscribed to us. And we're always, always putting out videos and information for all of your benefit, as Sheena said, integrative defense strategies. For those of you who are interested in becoming an affiliate or becoming a certified instructor through us, our website is thisisids.com. Uh, last words, support each other support each other. We're going through a difficult time. You know, uh, be confident. It's easy to be afraid and to pull back. Be bold, be confident, be proactive with your decision making instead of being reactive. Being proactive is important right now instead of being reactive and do it with confidence and support one another uh, out there who are citizen defenders who are interested in what's best for the greater good. But thank you so much for having me on, Sheen. I was super honored to be here. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. We'll talk soon.